Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, Identical Twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone! Hi everyone! I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. All right, here we are for another episode. We're so glad to be back. Yes, now we did have like a little break because of technical difficulties, mm-hmm. but hopefully everything will go smoothly with this episode. Yeah, and it just gives us more time to research. Right. <laughs> um, we do try to release episodes every Monday. If you subscribe to Him Talk Twin Talk, you get actually like this notification. So my husband's phone will will go off like five minutes <laughs> after I publish the episode. I'm like, oh, that's it. Because he, he has us, you know, on his subscribed podcast page and a little beep comes up. But, it, you know, you don't have to subscribe. <laughs> we love our listeners. We love talking with you. We have a lot of you talking to us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we're so appreciative. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun knowing that you love the hymns, that you're listening. Yeah. And some of you are, like, learning new right. hymns. Like, remember when we interviewed um, William Long last week? Yes. He said that he had never heard of Faith of Our Fathers. Right. And Phil Mike Uplore. Right. And I just thought that was amazing. Right. So it's so much fun knowing that you guys are listening to maybe some new hymns mm-hmm. and enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have a little favor to ask. Yes. I mean, we asked you to talk to us on social media, and you did. So now we want to ask if you could write us a review. Yeah. So iTunes has this algorithm. Like it really, if you have the reviews, it helps other people find you. It Like right. it'll pop up for people who are already listening to Christian podcasts or worship podcasts. Right. It'll pop up because we have these positive reviews. Right. So if you feel so inclined, yeah. could you just leave us some stars and right. even write a little something? Right. It'd be awesome. We would love that. Now, we have a hymn today, Cal, that came from a very dedicated listener. Now, she has participated in our trivia contest both times. She's won two prizes. And she has given us two hymn requests. Mm -hmm. I mean, Carrie, if mom and dad are the co-founder and president of our (laughs) fan club, I mean, this person is probably the vice president. (laughs) Now, the really cool thing about this is that we did not know her. We have never met her. And she attended worship at our church this past Sunday. Right. It was super cool to see her. She said, I want to introduce myself to you too. And and it was like, oh my gosh, we know you. We know you. Yeah. Yeah. It was so awesome seeing her. I mean, if you live in Massachusetts, if you live in our area, we'd love for you to come see us. And just like William, if you're traveling to the Boston. Boston area. Come, you could live anywhere. Come see us. Yeah, but her name is Jill. She mm-hmm. loves the hymns. Yes. And she actually um, tunes in and listens to our hymn sings on Wednesday nights. Right. She listens to the podcast right. and she watches the, us on video. Yes. Just a great woman of faith who finds such comfort in this music. Yeah. And that's really what it's all about. I know. It was like, oh my gosh, you're the person we're doing this for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So she suggested this hymn. 
and we love it. And of course, we can't say no to her. No, she's the vice president of the <laughs> Fiat Club. <laughs> All right, so you want to tell everybody what it is? Yes. I mean, one of the biggest clues that I don't think anyone even knows about is that it was a song that we grew up with. Yes. And we sang it, and we have fond memories of it. Yeah, it definitely is a song from our childhood. So when Jill suggested it, we were like, of course, great. this is a great one. And she probably sang it in her childhood. I know, probably. All right, let's tell everyone. All right, so this week's hymn is Love, Love Lifted, Lifted Me. <laughs> it's a great old one. It's a great old one um, that is just so versatile, Care, There's just a lot of room for creative expression. I know, I Which know. makes it so neat. Do you think there are people out there who don't know Love Lifted Me? I mean, if there was William who didn't know Faith of Our Fathers, yes, there's people who do not know Love Lifted Me. And, and I, was that, a, are you throwing William a little shade there? <laughs> no, he's in England. I'm thinking they have a whole nother set of hymns there. I know. And actually he has requested hymns from us that we've never heard of. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when we looked at his book too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so if you didn't hear our last episode with William Long, um, go back and go listen back. to episode 33. <laughs> that was Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And we interviewed William Long, the author and editor of the book, Hymns of Note. Okay, so now this week, it's all about Love Lifted Me. Should we sing it? Mm-hmm. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, in me. love lifted me, in me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me in me. Love lifted me in me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Super fun. Kel, do you think we sang it like faster than what people would expect? I don't know. I don't, No, I think this had a lilting kind of feel to it. It's in 6-8. Yeah. M&M's, always fun. <laughs> yeah, and it just, it moves though. I mean, 6-8 doesn't always have to move. No, it doesn't. But I love that little extra alto part in the refrain. Yeah. We always love when there's those extra <laughs> even notes. Even me. Even me. Uh, yes. Like even the altos when they're so like full of sin. <laughs> Actually, I think everyone sings that, alto, tenor, and bass. I think sopranos yeah. are the only ones who hold that That's note. right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we sang it really trying to stick strict to the rhythm mm -hmm. and, the, and the tune. We really didn't change much at all. Right. But what we have found with this song is that people have changed it, like, endlessly. Right. There's so many different versions of it. There's so many interpretations. Yeah. I actually do like it a little slower. Yeah. A little with maybe some jazzier harmonies. Mm. I do. Let's just tell people what yeah. we found. I mean, we found Randy Travis. Oh my gosh. That like country twang. I think he does a great job with he it. He does. And like Alan Jackson has a version. Uh -huh. Again, same kind of idea. Mm -hmm. But we found other versions that are more gospel sounding. Yes. Like 
beautiful, rich harmonies. Mm-hmm. We found really fast, almost like a kind of doo-wop, like yes. 50s kind of music style. Yeah. It really just lends itself to different versions. Mm-hmm. We even found versions that changed the meter. Right. So it went from 6-8 to 4-4. Four, four. Which sounds a little bit more structured, less free, I yeah, guess. Yeah, not so lilting. But really rhythmically interesting when, mm-hmm. when it's in 4-4 four, because four, there's a lot of syncopation. Right. I mean, I did like it. Right. One of the recordings that I found was by Kenny Rogers. Okay. I this mean, is really interesting. And he's a huge singer, wildly popular. He passed away this past year. Uh, we found this video. He was on a television show singing it. And he says, I'm going to bring a special guest in to <laughs> sing it with me. Right. And who is the special guest? Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. We found this video from 1976. We're going to share it on our social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was literally the first time they were really performing together. And it was amazing because it it just started their relationship. It started their partnership. The two worked together for decades after that and became really, really good friends. But what Kenny did is he completely changed the song. He completely changed it. Now, I read somewhere that uh, it's actually confusing why it's even credited with the hymn version with mm-hmm. by Smith and Rowe. Right. Like, why they even give credit to these guys. But that's what Kenny Rogers did. Yes. He credited them, even though musically and lyrically it's so different. It's very different. They st- we're still giving credit to the hymn writers that we're going to talk about today. And I love that. Kenny Rogers loved the hymn. Right. And wanted to preserve it, but he did want to change it. <laughs> He wanted to change it. He wanted to make it a secular song. It doesn't mention God. It doesn't mention the love of the Lord. Right. It doesn't mention being in sin. I mean, none of it. No, no. It's the love of a woman. It's a love of a person. Absolutely. So it was the first solo album he did after the breakup of the first edition. His, His band, the first edition. Okay. It was in 1976, and it was a minor success, they say. It reached number 28 on the country charts. Right. I mean, one of the criticisms that we have in this song is mm-hmm. that, you know, the maybe the words and the music don't go so well together. Yes. I mean, you have the, these words, I was sinking deep in sin, <laughs> deeply stained, sinking to rise no more. I mean, there's some really, some, some images here that are scary and sad and dark. Mm-hmm. And then we have this music that is Really fun and uplifting and playful. Right. It's like a rollicking gospel style. It doesn't feel like it should go with words talking about being full of sin and deeply stained. Right. But the refrain, Mm -hmm. I think, packages it all up nicely because your refrain is celebratory. I mean, the opening two lines go on, and we're going to sing all the verses in a bit. They go on to reveal redemption, salvation, mm-hmm. forgiveness. I mean, that's definitely something to be celebrated. Right. I do think that there is like this lilting mm-hmm. feel to it that almost reminds you of being on the water. Right. You know? So I, in a way, they did that really well. Right. The whole song is about water. Now, these guys writing together, James Rowe and Howard Smith, we're going to talk about them. I think this might be a hymn talk, twin talk first. Mm-hmm. Because these guys wrote it together. Yes. One was sitting at the piano. One was pacing the room, talking about words Mm -hmm. and stories and images. And they actually wrote it together. Now, James Rowe's daughter. James Rowe is the one who wrote the words to this hymn. Right. She actually is quoted talking about the time that her father worked with Howard Smith. And the quote goes like this. 
I can see them now. My father striding up and down, humming a bar or two, and Howard playing it and jotting it down. The two huddled together, working line by line, bar by bar, composing this hymn in tandem. Mm. Now, we've seen people work together on hymns. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these hymns have been works of collaboration. But the fact that they were actually in the same room at the same time, mm. we don't see that. Right. Even our husband and wife. Do you remember our husband yes. and wife? Yes, so, so the Martins, with God Will Take Care of You, she wrote it first, and he right. came along and added the music after. Right. The idea that these guys are sitting together, I just think is so much fun. And Carrie and I have a long history of collaborating and yeah. writing together just like that. We definitely are better and more productive when we're in the same room. Right. And I just feel like they had to have that same experience. The other kind of musical nerd moment, Carrie. M&M's, always fun. <laughs> is the irregular music. And again, we talked about a regular meter last week. It's the number of syllables in the line. Right. So this one is considered irregular. It's seven, six, seven, six, seven, four (laughs) with a refrain. Right. And I feel like they had to do that together. Right. Because they wouldn't have come up with that. On their own. It would have, someone just doing the words would have said, I need to fix that. That right. doesn't make sense. Even like James Rowe writing the words, because he had Howard right there with them, right. they were able to kind of work through it. Right. And make, and it doesn't sound irregular at all. No. It totally works in 6 8. And you have to remember, they wrote it together. We've never seen this tune with any other words. We've never seen the words with any other tune. Right. They, it was completely married from the moment it mm-hmm. was conceived. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Can we just look at the dates? I think this is kind of interesting. (laughs) Now, this is just a guess. But when you look at the dates, you have the composition date of May 20th, 1912. The copyright date of June 1st, 1912. This happened fast. Right. And it was right in the spring of 1912. And we know that so much about the song is about being in a body of water, sinking. He uses that symbolism a lot. Right. And what happened just like a month prior? (laughs) I mean, the Titanic sank April 15th, 1912. Could there be a connection? I mean, this horrible tragedy um, was on everybody's minds, right? Right. right. And so on May 20th, they sit down to write this song. And I don't know, I feel like that could be a little of the inspiration. What do you think, Cal? I mean, I think it's a theory. (laughs) (laughs) What? I mean, that's a pretty good theory. Well, we actually know that there is another inspiration, right? right? Cal, are you going to talk about it? Yeah. I mean, the inspiration came right from the Bible. We love when hymns do this. Of course. So this comes right from the Bible, but it's also a testimony hymn because it talks in the first person and it feels very personal. It does. I was sinking deep in sin. This feels like it's something that James was feeling. Right. And unfortunately, we don't really know, know. anything about him going through, you know, some kind of dark nope. time or some kind of trial. But let's talk about what the Bible says. What does the <laughs> Bible say? All right. So we already sang the first verse. It tells of what our spiritual state was before we were saved. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus did to rescue us. So we were sinking. We were stained. We were sinking to rise no more. Right. Yikes. That's heavy. But the master of the sea, 
And who's the master of the sea? It's Jesus. This is one of Jesus's miracles in front of his disciples. It is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is found in the Synoptic Gospels. Okay. What's that? <laughs> synoptic? <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody what Synoptic means? Yes, Synoptic Gospels are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they present similar narratives of the life and story of Jesus Christ. I mean, I feel kind of bad. John is excluded from that. <laughs> John's left out. <laughs> John's gospel is vastly different. And, uh, you know, we could do a whole podcast on, on that on that because it is so interesting. Um, and each gospel has a slightly different account of the story that happens on the boat. Um, we're going to quickly look at Luke's what version of it. What does the Bible say? <laughs> All right, so this is Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Yes. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. <laughs> he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So we believe this was really the inspiration for this. And there's a couple of other Bible verses too. So mm -hmm. the Bible is the inspiration. Exactly. And especially these gospel passages. There's so much about this that is interesting. The, Jesus had already done some miracles. The disciples had already seen miracles firsthand. They're already listening to him. And they're following him. Yes, let's yes. go into the boat. Okay, they go. We go to the other side of the lake. <laughs> okay. I would be like, what's on the other side? <laughs> it's like a joke, Kelly. Why did the disciples cross the lake? I don't know, Carrie. Why did they cross the lake? <laughs> to get it to, to the, the other, other side. side. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so silly. Okay. So silly. Sorry, so folks. <laughs> They, they already know who Jesus is. Yeah, but, but yet, you know, these poor disciples. I know. They're still asking, who is this? And they call him master. Right. And then, of course, he he fixes everything, like he does. And he, and he kind of yells at them, where is your faith? How did you not know that I would take care of this? I mean, just a few chapters before mm -hmm. was when, they, when Jesus told them to go to the other right. side of the boat. And they were able to catch all those fish. I mean, it's funny. Like, in a way, they must have thought, maybe there's a chance that that was just good luck or, you know, yeah, just maybe. a fluke. But now, when you see the, the waves calm down, now you're like, oh, this right. is the master of the sea. Right. And, you know, after he they brought in all that fish, mm -hmm. they left their nets and followed him. I mean, right. they were like, okay, this is someone important. Right. Yeah. Okay, the other part of verse 1, so yes, he's the master of the sea for sure. The other thing that verse 1 kind of reckons a little bit is the story of Peter. And we read this story of Jesus again on the water in Matthew chapter 14. What does the Bible say? <laughs> and immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. <laughs> While he dismissed the crowds. And we read later on that he was by himself walking on the sea and the disciples were terrified. They said, it is a ghost. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, 
if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. (laughs) He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. All three times we've seen Jesus do a miracle on the water, bringing the fish in, calming the storm, and then walking Walking. on the water. And each time the disciples were full of fear and amazement and wonder. Mm -hmm. And all times they worshipped him. All times they followed him. Right. All right. So now moving on to verse 2. Let's sing it for them. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to to him belongs. I mean, there's a lot of words there, and it's fast. It's kind of hard to sing. It's kind of hard to sing, and the tutu on that last line is kind of funny. Tutu. Faithful, loving service to to him belongs. But this verse is all about what we do when we're saved. Mm -hmm. You know, we give him our hearts. We live in obedience. And I love that it mentions music. We're praising him. It is our soul's best songs. Mm Mm-hmm. So in verse 1, we talk about being saved. And in verse 2, we talk about what we do once we're saved. Ever to him I'll cling. And I'm just, I just have to think of Peter so afraid that he was going to drown. The Bible that passage that I just read has Jesus reaching out his hand taking hold of him and if he can you picture being that afraid that you would just grab on and like cling to him and oh thank you you know I was so afraid that's Mm -hmm. what I picture Mm -hmm. and symbolically that's what Jesus has done for us he's reached out to us pulled us out of our sin and our brokenness and so we cling to him in that same way oh thank you thank you for saving me all right so then verse three Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He, your savior, wants to be, be saved today. I mean, how can you not smile, smile. when you sing that? I know. You don't see us, but we're totally smiling I mean, at he, each other. I, look at those last two lines. He's the master of the sea. Billows his, his will, will obey. obey. So, little, little Yoda talk there. <laughs> billows. He, your savior, wants to be. Be saved, Be saved today. today. I mean, it's so great. Yes. So this is what we do now that we're saved. This, instead of being a testimony hymn, it's almost like a mission hymn. Right. We are now to tell everyone what he does. Listen, souls in danger, all of you out there, look above. Right. Jesus completely saves. We must tell people about the Savior. We must teach them the gospel, the good news. And the disciples were an excellent example of this. Look in Acts 4.33 with great 
power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the mm. Lord Jesus yes. and great grace was upon them all. Mm. I mean, they had this ability to witness. I mean, that came from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's what this third verse is all about. Right. It's about telling. And it's kind of a command, isn't it? Right. That well, last line, mm-hmm. he, your savior, wants to be. Be saved today. Right. That's it. Right. Be saved. And again, we have the double word. I know, B the double B. And B. <laughs> I can picture these guys like talking about it. You think it's okay to yeah, have the I two think words? It's okay. Sure, B, B. Put a comma there. <laughs> so, you know, a simple, fun song has the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be this serious, you know, sad, contemplative right. thing. Because that's, maybe people aren't going to be drawn to that. Right. But... I think James and Howard were thinking people were going to be drawn to this really pretty, fun tune. Right. And that doesn't mean that what it's saying is pretty and fun. What it's saying is important. I had such a good time looking at the use of ocean and water in the Bible. Okay. It's, you know, we have these stories of Jesus in the water for sure. It's a lot. And there's quite a few of them. They were always on the water. But more than that... The ocean and water and sinking and drowning is used throughout the Bible to represent suffering or Mm -hmm. confusion or chaos. I mean, we see it right from the Old Testament, Carrie. What does the Bible (laughs) say? God had to split the Red Sea to set the Israelites free from slavery. Mm -hmm. The Red Sea could not be there. It was stopping them from their freedom. He had to move it. And, of course, we see that he has power over it. God had to stop the flow of the Jordan during flood stages so his people could enter the promised land. In other parts of the Bible, we see bodies of water are symbols for evil and for death. In Isaiah, it says the wicked are like tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. So it literally says that wicked people are like the sea. Right. I mean, in the book of Psalms, they're they're praising God for his command over the sea. Psalm 89, verses 8 through 10 says, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. We're seeing his command over the sea in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm. And I think it's so cool that our hymn writers are using this sea as a metaphor, but it's also like literally, literally Peter was saved in the sea. Peter was drowning in the sea. So it's this, I love that the hymn writers continue Mm -hmm. that. It was, it's something we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Mm -hmm. and in 1912. And in 2021. Right. (laughs) I love it. All right. I think we need to talk about these guys behind this hymn. Yes. We know that it was inspired from the Bible. We know these guys... Uh, knew the Bible, knew the Bible stories, and mm-hmm. put put it into their hymn. Let's talk about them. Now, these guys aren't even that old, but we had a real hard time getting information on them. Yeah, They weren't all over the place like the rest of our hymn writers no, are. No, there's not a whole lot of information. Mm-hmm. So James Rowe is the writer. He's responsible for the words. He was born on January 1st, 1865 in Devonshire, England. Now, in England, he spent his whole childhood. He even got a job. He worked for the government survey office, okay? He came to America, and he settled in upstate New York when he was about 25 years old. 
And there he worked for the railroad company. And I think this is really, I don't know, maybe just a fun fact. Mm -hmm. But he was the superintendent of the Mohawk and Hudson River Humane Society. Wow. So I feel like he had a a soft spot in his heart for the animals. Right, right. Um, The... Mohawk and Hudson River Humane Society still exists. Oh. They do classes and trainings for dog, for pet owners. They have kitten adoptions. I mean, mm. I kind of would like to go and adopt a kitten. <laughs> we could go to upstate New York. That's not even that far. No. Should we get our captain involved? Do we really need him to go to upstate New York? This is your <laughs> so he began writing songs and hymns about 1896, and he was called the Bard of Albany. Oh, Okay. (laughs) He was a prolific writer of gospel verse with more than 9,000 published hymns, poems, and other works. Wow. I mean, this is right up there. 9,000, I feel like, is is a lot. But it's, I wish I had a number for just the amount of things that turned into hymns. Right. Because this is, I think, another fun fact. Mm -hmm. He collaborated with his daughter later in his life. Her name was Louise Rowe Mayhew. She was an artist, and she created greeting cards. He would write the message inside the greeting card. How cute. How cute (laughs) is that? So, you know, when you think of, like, a greeting card and the little poem that's inside, are they including all those little things that he would have written in the 9,000? Because I do think that changes it. Yes. So in the figure that I wrote, it says 9,000 published hymns, poems, and other works. Right. So maybe there's not quite so many hymns. Right. Yeah. But he also worked for really successful publishing houses, Mm -hmm. creating, you know, music for churches Mm -hmm. and gospel songs. So he he had that job too. Now, many of Rowe's songs, it says that he wrote it a lot. I mean, I don't know if it's in the 9,000 area, but many of his songs owe much of their popularity to the attractive musical settings of a Mr. Bennett DeForest Ackley. Mm. Now, do we remember Bennett Ackley? (laughs) (laughs) We talked about him in episode 26. That was when we did the song He Lives. Do you remember, Cal? Yes. He Lives was written by Bennett's brother, Alfred Ackley, Mm -hmm. but we still talked about the Ackley brothers. Now, Bennett Ackley was the pianist for Billy Sunday's Mm -hmm. tent meetings. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing that Billy Sunday and Bennett Ackley are singing these new gospel songs written by James Rowe, and Mm -hmm. that's how they they become so popular. Right. Which makes sense. And I think that's such an interesting fact because I lump He Lives and love lifted me together all the time. Oh yeah, they 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 they're from our childhood. Mm-hmm. They have a similar feel. They're yeah. full of joy. So it's so funny that they have that connection. Well, and I think that's how that's the music that people wanted to write. Yes. I mean, we're in the teens of yep. the nineteen hundreds, mm-hmm. and that's what songwriters are thinking that people want to sing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the composer Howard Everett Smith. Yes, Howard E. Smith. He was born. On July 16th in 1863 in Connecticut. Hey, Kel, not too far from us. Not too far. He named the tune Safety. So Mm. we've talked about how Mm -hmm. the hymn can have almost like two names. A name for the hymn and then a name for the tune. Um, Now, we tried to look up this information on Howard Everett Smith. He's not that far away from us in Norwalk, Connecticut. where it looks like he lived there his whole life. He was a church organist in Westport Township, Fairfield County, Connecticut, in 1880, 1900, and 1910. So we found that like in a in a list of you right. know uh, dates, but we couldn't find anything more about him. 
No, and I actually just took a trip. We took a road trip to New York, and yep. we drove through Westport. Oh. Like, ah, oh, this is where he is. I mean, but right. where? I don't know. And maybe if we go there, we could find some information, but there was nothing online. Nope. We couldn't even find the name of the church that he was nope. at. Nope. But he was this church organist in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and somehow he found Roe in upstate New York. Right. And they were in the same room. room. Right. So they And I, I read that they were friends. I mean, is this a him talk, twin talk mystery? <laughs> like how they became friends or how they met? And who is he? Well, who right, is Howard Everett Smith? So we know that he's a hymn writer. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that he's an organist. Right. He did not write a ton of hymns. I right. mean, I'm looking around like 11 maybe. Okay. 11 songs. What is interesting to me is that he married his wife, Mary Louise Smith, she was also a hymn writer. Mm-hmm. She has about 16 hymns to her credit. It is not this wildly prolific collaboration between right. the two, but it is kind of cool. I mean, can we call it a fun fact? Sure. The husband and wife wrote together. Do you want to share one of their hymns? Yes. Okay, so I found a hymn called Jesus Will Save You Now. Funny. I mean, it's a similar theme. Brother, give heed to the master's call. Jesus will save you now. Come and confess, he'll forgive you all. Jesus will save you now. Yes, he will save. Oh, yes, he will save. Jesus will save you now. It was for you that his life he gave. Jesus will save you now. I mean, yes, he will save. Oh, yes, he will save. How many times can we say it? I know. And you know, we're not going to sing all of it, but look it up. In verse 2, it says, what though your life has been stained by sin. Mm -hmm. It is very similar Mm -hmm. to Love Lifted Me. Yeah. I mean, right. These songs, I think, from the tent meetings, I think people just must have loved them. Mm -hmm. So how cute that he writes this with his wife, Mm -hmm. Mary Louise Smith. And I wonder if they were, like, in the same room, the way James and (laughs) Howard were, you know? Or do you think they're, like, other married couples, and they're like, you go and do your thing, and I'll go and do my thing. (laughs) Such a great song. Mm -hmm. All right, I have one more fun thing to share. Ooh. Because we see Love Lifted Me... In the movie. What? (laughs) All right, this is a movie from 2011. Okay. And it stars one of mine and Kelly's favorite actors. I don't know if everybody likes him as much as we do, because I don't think mom and dad really care for him. Yeah. But I think he's so talented. His his name is Jack Black, Mm -hmm. and he was in this movie from 2011 singing Love Lifted Me. And actually, the the movie is kind of bizarre, but I do think it's well done. It's almost like a documentary. Mm -hmm. It's a true story about this man named Bernie in Carthage, Texas. Mm -hmm. Shirley MacLaine is in it. Oh, Matthew McConaughey is in it. Oh, it's very well done. And there's a ton of music, but he sings Love Lifted Me and it's fantastic. I mean, he just, (laughs) he has a good voice. Is it funny or is it good? It's funny. It's great. I think it's exactly what you want to hear when you have Love Lifted Me. Mm -hmm. You just want to hear this rousing rendition. Right. Now, and this isn't a Christian movie, I'm assuming. No, it's not a Christian movie. And I can see that there are some 
problems with it, some moral ambiguity. Um, but I do think it was very entertaining. I I loved hearing the hymns. He's a funeral director, so he, oh. and he has he's this tenor that the people in Carthage, Texas, just loved. So they would say to him, "You're going to sing at my funeral, right?" Oh. So they have him singing "Blessed Assurance." Oh. He touched me. In the background, you hear lots of hymns. Oh, Sacred Head, how wounded at this really sad part. It's a really fun movie to watch. Just hear the hymns, right? Yeah. So would you watch it with our kids? Yeah, I think the kids would think it was really interesting. But it has this dark humor, definitely. Right, right. But it's a true story. Yeah. So we're going to share this video. There's almost like a music video of okay. him singing it, like in the recording <laughs> studio, and then singing it in the movie. You know, right. it's kind of a thing. So we'll share it. But I just love when movies are mm-hmm. using church music. Right. I just love it. Right. And so we... We said this from the beginning. This hymn has a lot of versatility, and we've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've seen it by Jack Black. Mm-hmm. We've seen it by Kenny Rogers, Randy Travis. Mm-hmm. The band Alabama actually did it, too. I know. So it, it, there's a lot to this hymn. It has definitely stood the test of time. Yep. And it has been updated with the times. Right. We found another one, a contemporary one. Yeah. This was put on, this was put together by the Jeremy Winston Chorale. And it was, of course, in the middle of COVID, and so it's a virtual choir. But you have all of these people singing, and it is the hymn, Love Lifted Me, but it has a different arrangement. So it's the hymn by James Rowe and Howard E. Smith, but it was arranged by Nathan Anderson. So it has a different feel, and I just love it. So we're going to share the audio of it for you right now, but on our social media, we'll show the video too so that you can really see it. Right. It's always cool to see those. Yeah. They did a great job. They the did sound a great quality job. Is, is excellent. So this is the Jeremy Winston Corral singing Love, love Lifted, Lifted Me. Me.
All right, we're going to end with a scripture passage from 1 Timothy. Paul is writing, and he knew the saving power of Jesus Christ. He experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. He says in 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So Paul could definitely say, I was sinking deep in sin, and love lifted me. What an awesome hymn this week. Thank you, Jill, for suggesting yes, it. Yes, Jill suggested it. We want to hear your requests. We have a few more in the pipeline, but we yeah. want to know what else you have. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks mm-hmm. for singing along. Thanks for writing us some reviews. Yes, please do that. We would appreciate <laughs> it. All right, bye. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.